buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from REMAX Results. Good afternoon, Gary. How are you doing today? Jim, we're doing real good. Real good. Yes. So, um, the breakup of the ice happened. And nobody <laughs> was the hurt. official splitting of the ice. Yep. It's, it's moved out. And there were no fish houses on it as far as I know. Yeah, that's good. It's you know, Lake Superior is a dangerous place, and the weather is uh, going to do what it's going to do. Yeah, you know. but but I'll tell you, the last weekend or two previous weekends, boy oh boy, what have I seen for locals to go down there and see all the people on the ice out there? And some of these folks were a long ways out there, you know, where they they've got their fish houses, and uh, some of these these people in these fish houses, they come early in the morning and they stay until the sun starts going down. And then the bikes, people, bikers, I saw bikers, we saw ice skaters, just walkers, hikers. Fascinating to see the amount of activity. And as you get out into the Lester Park area <laughs> and Brighton Beach and all that whole area, just amazing how many people are go out on that lake and use it when that ice is out there. You know, last Saturday I was at an ice fishing contest um, on the Superior side in the Bay of the uh, St. Louis River. Um that was put on by um, um, a friend of mine who owns um, a bar in South Superior. And it was amazing how many people were out there. Um, and I was quite surprised. I, I didn't fish or anything, but I was quite surprised how many fish they were catching. You know, um, really? it was, it, it's quite fun to, uh, to um, be in that kind of a, an event and that kind of, um, you know, weather-related things that we can do only up in the Northland. Yes. Yeah. But good stuff. It's good stuff to see that. But 42 degrees above is better than uh, 25 below, which was like, well, three weeks ago now. But yes, we'll take this. Yeah, we'll no take doubt it. about it. Anyway, Jim, we've Gary. got a huge, we got a huge, we have huge, huge breaking news in the real estate world. Right. And I know, I know you know what it is, but we're dealing with our mortgage interest rates. And what has happened to them this week is just absolutely um astonishing in terms of boy is this is this the the point to where the interest rates have gone up because this was the week that they took off right and um you know i think if even if you go back to the beginning of the month of february where you were getting 2.625 for a mortgage interest rate and that's on february 2nd um and then you go uh and jump down to february let's say um 16th and um, the mortgage interest rates 2.75 so between the 2nd and the 17th 10 days the jump a little bit a little bit but then you go and you look at what, what happened on the 22nd yes let's look at the 22nd 2.875 so they went up a little bit more and they, these are 30-year conventional fixed that's the that's the number I'm talking about. The 20-year and the 15-year as well, they uh, 
they started to go up as well. Uh, and then you look at the FHA and the VA, Jim, and, and this was on the 22nd, uh, 23rd, the 30-year conventional is 3%, and the FHA 30-year uh, jumps to 3.625, Jim. Yeah, that on is February crazy. 2nd, the, the F, on February 2nd of this year, the FHA 30-year fixed uh, rate loan was 2.250. And this week, and and, and more importantly, on, on Friday as of this week, um, that rate is currently 3.625. That is, that is the largest increase we have seen in... <laughs> And that kind of a time frame in what years and years and years. Um, well, that kind of a jump is really unusual in yes. a week's time. When you see a percent and a half on the on a mortgage interest rate jump, boom, just like that, it's it's changed. And the VA has has jumped to three point three seven five. That was also at two and a quarter. So the VA is a little bit lower than the FHA. But boy, make no mistake about it, these mortgage interest rates have shifted. And if you want to mark this day down of the year, this is when it happened. And uh, um, and, and I'm not sure what to think of all this. I think we've been talking about it happening, but I want to get your opinion as to why you think this is this has occurred with, with such an extreme turnabout here. Uh, this week with these mortgage interest rate, what the heck is going on? Well, you know, from what I've read, and you know, we talk about the treasuries, and and those have gone up, um, and the oil prices too. Um, you know, when when oil goes up, you know, rates can follow as well um, because you know, it just has that kind of effect. And then uh, I think the. Um, the caveats on all this stuff is that nobody can predict where it's going to go, um, but the federal government has a has a pretty large play on where the interest rates are going to go because of their influence uh, in the money that they've invested, you know, over a trillion dollars. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably oil and it's probably um, you know the treasuries and stuff, but uh, I th- that jump is just huge to me. I. I've been trying to find why it jumps so high, and I, I can't find anybody that, that can figure out specifically or that I've been able to find. Well, you know, people invest their money in these bonds, the bond market, the notes, all that stuff. Right. And, and, you know, that's, that's you, they do that. It's supposedly a safe haven. And one of those measures is the 10-year treasury note that the uh, mortgage interest rates are, you know, they follow. Uh, and, and so, uh, the, but, but why all of a sudden the shift? I mean, and, and I agree with you, everything's gotten more expensive. The oil prices have gone up, food prices have just skyrocketed. Food prices are uh, now the mortgage interest rates. I mean, everything has gotten, uh, you've noticed this shift in the last couple of weeks here of everything getting more expensive. Um, but when it comes to housing, there's a lot of, um, stuff that has been being talked about recently about, you know, what's in store? Can we continue with these overheated markets? Where do I all go? Are we in a bubble? You know, what's what's going to happen with real estate? You know, and I mean nationally, but also locally as well. And um, one of the things that I, I think we have to, like, consider here is, like, first of all, Jim, how, how long can a price, a real estate price market that we've been in sustain itself? 
And I, what I mean by that is when we get a house, a new listing comes on the market, and you go in there, there's like just uh, so many showings, and there's so many offers, and the price goes up 10000 15000 20 whatever. Right. And it's on, it's on I'm going to say, 95% of all the new listings. That's what this market is. And, and so you have an overheated market. It's red hot. It's just like that's the way it is. So how long can that red hot market stay to where it starts to be detrimental to, to what people are doing? Because people that are buying now, if, if this market shifts and you're paying maximum prices for real estate, you know, there goes your equity. Well, there that's goes, true. And I know, think that if the rates, if the rates keep tumbling upwards like this, that will ultimately slow that down. That will ultimately um, affect value on um, the properties that we are having for sale. Um, we won't see, you know, ultimately we won't see five offers on a property on the first day that it's on the market. Um, so yeah, interest rates are going to probably affect the values of homes more than anything else that's out there. Um, so, hmm. I mean, well, we're, we're at a point now where people are putting in, uh, when they first input a listing uh, into the multiple listing service, there might be a, a language out there to all other agents, you know, that offers are being presented. Let's say you listen to something today. Offers are being presented on Tuesday at 12 o'clock, you know, and, right. and they haven't even had one showing yet. It's, it's, it's in the MLS as soon as they input it because that's what they expect and they know will happen. Um, so it's really interesting. Well, it is, but these interest rates can certainly cool the market. Yes. Uh, but, but the big thing that really caught my attention here is the FHA mortgage interest rates and the VA mortgage interest rates. And yeah, I want to, I don't know how much time we have left in this segment, but I'd like to talk about those a little bit of, of we got why that is. Um, you know, I think these FHA, one of the things, Jim, you got, you, you got to remember is the FHA to me, in my opinion, is, is a, um, an entry level type of a situation. First time home buyers, right? That type of stuff. That's the primary, um, uh, uh, amount that's the primary uh, buyers that we deal with with those so, right and people that don't have a lot of money for a down payment um, that's correct that's that's, that's FHA correct. for sure so if they are marginal to begin with and they're getting approved at two and a half percent or whatever the interest rates are there's no way they get approved at 3.625 right they've just priced some some people and to me it's lower and uh Entry-level buyers, they've priced them right out of the, the market because of that in, interest rate shift. Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 it has a real negative impact um, on the affordability, just like you're saying. I mean, um, when they go up a, a, a complete percentage, you're talking about a massive change in what that payment's going to be. And, um, yeah, so people are going to have to lower their expectations for value on what they're going to buy based on that. So, Gary, let's take our first break here. We can come back and finish up on this one when we come back. So, folks, you're tuned in to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from REMAX Results. Folks, if you want to reach me, my telephone number is 218-348-7653. And Mr. Callagher, please give out your digits. 
218-390-0615. All right. So, and we are um, talking about the jump in interest rates um, for housing and, and its impact on, on our local and national market. You know, Gary, when we talk about, you know, how we talk about how busy the market is with all these offers on properties and how rates are going to affect it. You know what the amazing thing to me about this whole thing is that it just seems to me that the whole country is on fire in real estate. You know, with um, no market really being able to hold on to um, houses very long because, you know, there's such a demand for housing everywhere that, you know, if you have one to sell, there certainly is a buyer. So the interest rates going up are something is something that um, definitely will have an impact on that. You know, and we were talking about history of um, of the rates, and what I've read here is interesting. Last year in 2020, uh, the overall trend for mortgage rates was downward, and a new weekly all time low was set on 16 occasions last year, according to Freddie Mac. That's crazy, you know. Um, so new records uh, 16 times in 2020 for lower low interest rates right exactly yeah well it's been a phenomenal run that we've had and the refinances that have taken place uh, we both know what it's done to the the the, uh, the pipeline as we as we say you know it, it uh, we've been really slow and everybody's been really busy here in the last year and a half to two years uh, you know, yeah and you know what there's rates. You know what that kind of a jump in that in that short of a time frame? I mean, you know that all over the country there were people who were ha- either have a VA or FHA loan that that when the when the big increase happened and they hadn't locked in on their rate yet that they're out. They're probably going to have to back out of the sale that they have pending. You know? Cause, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just. And that's how big of an impact and how big of a difference this can make. If you're marginal to begin with and you were qualified on your mortgage at a, a 2.6 or a 2.2 and a quarter percent if you're FHA or VA, and now they're 3.3 and 3.625, oh, that blows you just right out of the water in most cases. So it'll be interesting to see if how this all shakes out because you're right some people hadn't locked their interest rate in as of this week and this week we really saw the spike in these uh these mortgage interest rates take you know take off right and the other thing is is that locally a lot of the banks uh, you know you just can't call up and and lock your interest rate um that easily you've, you've got to re- reach certain milestones in your transaction before you're allowed to to lock the rate so it, there's a lot they of nerves out there. They won't even lock a, an interest rate on for you until you have a, a signed, accepted purchase agreement. Right. Yep. And there are some other local banks that have even more, you know, more more requirements and verifications before the lock. But it's just, yeah, that's just got to be, um, that's that's the game. I, re- I remember when interest rates were changing, wait, this is way back in the day, and I know you'll remember, when they were changing, they could have changed, you know, 0.2% a day. Um, sometimes in, in when we had interest rates that were jumping all around. And that was the thing that people were watching the most or calling their loan officer the most, you know, when is the good time to lock? And that's just really hard advice for them. And uh, it's also hard to predict. So, yeah. Well, the other thing to remember, Jim, let's talk a little bit about the jumbo loan. When, when you talk about sure. uh, more expensive, it, how more expensive it is, uh, let's say you've got a mortgage for 400 grand and you got a 1% change in your interest rate. 
from last week to this week and you just lock in. Yeah. That's $4,000 of interest annually per, per year. Exactly. And if you, if you stay in that house for 30 years, that's almost a half a million dollars in additional interest. And, and then you, you figure out what's 4,000 divided by 12 for the additional monthly payment increase that you're going to have. You know, so you're, you're what, $350 a month extra on your monthly payment because of that. So this has a big impact. And the, the, uh, the jumbo mortgage market, uh, boy, oh boy, that's, that's going to be a big difference as well. So um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on this. Yep, it's, it's a very, very interesting story. And uh, we've been blessed with low interest rates for so long. Um, and we knew that, you know, it's not ever going to last forever. So that's just what happens. Yeah. All right, Gary, I got a really funny, interesting story here. Are you familiar with IKEA? Yes. Are you aware that they are hooking up with an RV builder to build tiny homes? No. Tell me more. <laughs> so it says IKEA is selling tiny homes now and no assembly required, which I think is funny. Um, so they're in a partnership with Vox, V-O-X, Creative, and a Wisconsin-based RV maker, um, to come up with a house that has a hundred and eighty-seven square foot square feet in it, and IKEA is um, stocking it with affordable furniture, um, and I'm sure some of the other some of the other um, fixings that go with that house. Um, they're going to have solar panels, composting toilets, uh, a heated water supply powered by the trailer. Um, I mean, it is. Uh, it's called the Escape Vista Boho XL. <laughs> Where? What area? What location is this? Um, let's see. And it's forty-seven thousand five hundred and fifty. That's where it starts. Um, let's see. I'm just reading. Um, it doesn't say where it's being built in Wisconsin, um, but it says it's a it's a Wisconsin RV builder, and uh, now they're they're. Um, they're building tiny homes, so it, it comes on a trailer, and I'm assuming just like a like a mobile home, when you have it permanently placed, you take off the uh, wheels. Um, and where you go? So well, thinking outside the box there for a little bit of real estate, uh, uh, you know, new idea yeah. type stuff. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it says it's going to take um, it takes around sixty days to customize. Um, and then you can virtually tour your tiny home before, uh, I guess, before it gets delivered. So, and you say they, the starting price is at forty forty seven thousand five hundred dollars. Forty seven five fifty the starting price. Yep. So it's fully furnished. It gets delivered to your, do your on site. It's it's just like moving into a furnished apartment, I guess. Except you got to have your own little piece of land. Very interesting. I'm wondering if something like this would, would start showing up up there, you know, on like mobile home lots. You know, because I mean, 187 square foot structure. Well, I just can't. Can you wrap your mind around that? No. No. I, I, I mean, we've can't all lived in apartments coming up and everything, but uh, to have a full size family in a, uh, a large bedroom <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Um, well, what was the square footage of, the, of those? 187. That's it? That's what it says, yeah. For the whole house? 
for the whole house. I mean, it's the size of like a, a single garage stall. That's a tiny house. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, I, you know, I, they don't have a ton of pictures on here. They don't have any pictures except the outside, which is, it actually looks pretty cool. But um, I think they, it, there must be some kind of a, yeah, it looks like there's some kind of a Murphy bed here on the wall. And, and they've got the whole uh, kitchen, bathroom, sleeping They've got all that incorporated into this place. Well, I think it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure, except for the bathroom, it's all one big room. And it looks like some of this food. You got got So this is hooked up to the grid, all that type of stuff. City utilities, you hook them right into city utilities. Yeah, I I mean, it's going to have to meet building codes if they want to be able to call it a tiny house. But yeah, so, and it's got, like an RV would have, um, you know, where they has fold things that fold down and things that are multi-purposed and, you know, so you can fold away your um, your countertop and all this kind of stuff. It just looks like that's what this is all, all made of. And drawers are, like, underneath, you know, so, like, uh, like beds that had pedestals with drawers underneath them. That's where, that's where the, the drawers are. So everything that you could... Everything that you have to, you have to compartmentalize everything, and so it looks like they've done it. I just wish there was more pictures, um, but you know maybe in the in the future we, we can find more more about it. I also know that um, Dynamic Homes, which is a home builder in in um, Minnesota, is starting to come into the um, tiny home market, and um, we have people that we know there, so. We could probably get an interview with them and just ask them how it's going. But um, it, again, in this article too, it says that they're they're amazingly becoming very popular. Well, it, we've been talking about tiny homes for a while now, and you know, it looks like it's starting to take hold. So that's uh, good for them. I mean, if people want to live in a hundred and eighty square foot, you know, house, yep. more power to them. Well, you know. A couple of years at the at the home Arrowhead Home Builder Show, they had a tiny house made out of a out of a shipping crate. Do you remember our shipping box? You know the kinds that are on um, trains and on the backs of semis. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but that was really really interesting. Um, you know they cut windows in the thing. They did all kinds of stuff, and and that's a that's a kind of a very interesting way, if you ask me, to repurpose one of those shipping containers because the Lord knows there's there's billions of them around the world. Yeah, well, so. and very interesting ideas and concepts when it comes to uh, housing. No doubt about it. All right. Well, let's move on, Gary. What do you want to talk about next? Jim, we've got another uh, potential um, problem area in the real estate market that could start to um, shed its ugly head or whatever you want to call it. That's the rental market. Right. And we know that we've been dealing with for the last year because of the pandemic, the um, moratorium that landlords have on evicting their tenants because of non-payment of rent. And it's getting to the point now to where you're, you're starting to hear uh, real life instances here locally, uh, people selling their properties. Uh, one in particular that, uh, I was familiar with this past week with the one of the tenants owed over twelve thousand dollars in rent and had no no you know when it is when and if it's ever going to get paid back. Exactly. So the, the mom and pop owners of it have to sell it, and the um, 
they must have gotten an offer because the, the listing agent posted something on uh, one of the sites saying, does anybody have any information about how you can evict a, a tenant in our current climate? And, and, and the, at the end of the day, you can't. And so this is kind of a catch-22 situation, Jim, and it's starting to take its toll on, on people. And, I'm, and not only people that own these properties, <clears throat> but the tenants. Because I think, in general, tenants pay their rent. You yeah. know, not everybody is, you know, is timely or, you know, whatever. But most of the time, I think people pay their rent. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that, so, that was my history when I owned rental property. And so I think that they're stressed out because they can't pay rent. And the owners are stressed out because, guess what, they still got to pay their bills. They have to pay, if they owe money on it and have a mortgage, they have to pay that. They have to pay the taxes. They have to pay the insurance. If they're paying utilities, they have to pay the utilities. And so this is a very difficult situation that's that's going on. And I think that you're going to see some, um, you know, situations going on in any given local area where you start to see these rental properties abandoned or foreclosed on. Uh, or, or people just walk away from them, right? Yeah, and you know, and so on the landlord side, you know, there are there are options online. So here's what it says: if your financial situation looks grim, if your ability to pay the mortgage on your rental property hinges on month-to-month rental income, you should take action to prevent your own default. This includes um, options such as talking to your lender, which I think is really what you have to do. Um, and then proactively seeking arrangements with the tenants that allow them to at least make partial payments. I mean, yeah, you got to go out there and you got to say, I, I get it, but I can't afford to have you rent free or live here for free. Um, also, Gary, do you remember when we were talking about people who were who were putting off um, paying their mortgages? You know, yes. because and and um, there was a report that a lot of people were doing it that didn't even have a, a, a loss of job just to like have the extra cash. And I wonder if um, if there's tenants out there that are working that are that are just not paying their rent because they don't have to. Um, I think both situations are sad, sad um, state of affairs. You know. Well, it's it's a, um, a a growing problem area, and it's I don't know how it's going to resolve itself. Right. I think the current moratorium is set to expire at the end of March. Um, but if they and if they keep extending that, you know, I think you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, I think the federal government or the state, the local governments through the federal government has to offer some assistance uh, because they're the ones that are calling for this. Right. And if they're the ones that are calling for it. I think they have to step up and, and like get some relief here. And, and so how this all shakes out, I don't know, but um, it's unfortunate for these, these property owners because most people that own these properties, Jim, they take good care of them. Uh, they're nice places, uh, and, and like I said, most tenants uh, they, they pay their rent. Yeah. And you know, for this to happen is very unfortunate. It's just another um, casualty or unintended consequence of this, uh, this pandemic. You know, and the other thing is, is that I, I get the pandemic, and then and, and I get that everybody's hurt. But yeah, a landlord could be in a situation similar to to the tenant. You know, they might not be working or, or um you know their their situation might have changed as well <laughs> you know it's just it's just a it's a whammy that's just hard to hard to accept for anybody if um you bought real estate investment property so it's um it's yeah that's 
hopefully it will not get extended or they'll come up with some solutions to help the landlords as well. I think that that the landlords are being forgotten about in this situation too much. Well, but think about this down the road. I mean, if once the moratorium expires, right, everybody throws everybody out. Right. <laughs> Where are they going to go? Right. Well, and you and know then what? You're going to go apply for a new apartment, yeah. and the apartment's going to say, or the application. I, I don't know if you know. Depending on the applications, have you ever been evicted? Or they call and check references, or whatever they do. They say, yeah, we had a victim for non-payment of rent. What does that do? How do they get another rental? Right. And so I think there's a lot of things that could go really wrong here really fast. And uh, it seems like the the right solution is to federal government open up that checkbook and pay these people, you know, what they're owed. Right. You know, and... Um, well, hey, Gary, uh, let's, we got to take a break here. Let's come back and finish this subject up. So folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show and hang in there. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronding and Gary Callagher here from Remax Results. Gary, why don't you give out your phone number? 218-390-0615. Yeah, and my phone number is 218-348-7653. Okay, so we're talking about um, the moratorium on, um, on evictions. So the one point that I wanted to make about the story that you had so you got somebody who's behind in their month in their rent by twelve thousand dollars. If the moratorium on evictions ends this month and they go to evict those people, are they going to try to put a judgment against that against that those individuals for twelve thousand dollars? I mean, is there any hope in that situation of that landlord ever recuperating the money? What are your thoughts? Well, it, you know when they when they put that moratorium in place, they did say that it doesn't. Um, that the tenant still has to pay the rent. Right. It's not like they don't owe the money. It's just that they they, they had this moratorium in place. But if, so you yeah, know, in this example, they, they can do that. But I would say the likelihood of collecting a hundred percent of that money is is very small. And if you're going to hire an attorney, I mean, I, I realize that twelve thousand dollars is is a lot of money, um, and it might it's probably worthwhile to do it. But you know, you probably have to hire an attorney, get some legal advice, and like I said, maybe get a judgment. And I mean. Unfortunately, that's gonna that's really gonna stop these renters in their tracks of getting you know anywhere traction wise as far as credit goes, um, or being able to purchase a house on their own you know one day. So I think people gotta you know forget about the instant future and think about long term stuff. Um, you know, and the other thing is is even if it ends this month and people are able to do an eviction. I mean, how long is it? How how long is the eviction going to take? How long does it normally take, right, and to get a court date, right? And with so many evictions that could happen all at once, that would just totally bog, you know, the court system down for years. I would think, don't you? Well, they're backed up to begin with. I right. mean, it's, yeah, it's, they haven't been needed. Uh, but and, and, and so, and here's the other part of this. So, okay, let's say the moratorium ends at the end of March. Well, I think the, the Minnesota law reads for evicting tenants is you have to give the tenant one rental period plus one day notice for eviction. Right. So if you can't give notice until April 1, guess what? They don't technically have to be out of that unit until the end of May. Right. 
And so you've got you've got uh, you know a, a potential prolonged period of time uh, of that. And you know some of the, some of the stuff that I've heard going around, people saying is people are offering tenants money to move. Right. You know, they'll just say, "Hey, here's five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever, just leave." And you know, some sometimes that works. You know, and so, mortgage companies have been doing that for years with foreclosures. You know, cash for keys. You know, look, yes. we know you're not going to pay your mortgage anymore if you just give up and sign it over to us and move and leave the place broom swept clean. We'll give you, you know, fifteen grand or something like that or whatever it was. You know, but in, here's the other thing. So let's say that it ends in March and they've got the one day plus the rental period to give them an eviction, um, and that date comes and goes. And guess what? They're not moved out. What's the next right. step? You got well, to go to court. Yeah, it's eviction. And if you're an LLC and you have your your property listed as you know in a in a limited liability, you know you don't have it in your personal name. You can't file an eviction on your own. You have to have an attorney file that, right. that eviction notice. But I'm saying, let's uh, say you get your eviction notice, or, or I mean, you, you they go past and and you're going to get them evicted. Then you're in that uh, that situation of you got to get in front of a judge. Um, it just seems like a really, really bad scenario um, it to, is. to be Jim, in as a landlord. It is a really bad scenario for people. And, and like I said, it's, for, it's not for just the landlords, the owners of these properties. It's the tenants, too, because they're caught in this situation that they didn't create. And they don't, they don't want to be involved in it. But, but you've got that situation. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do here? Right. You know, and I think, you know, one of the things you'll see with people is some people will come and they'll just be upfront business about it. It's like, yeah, hey, I, owe, I know I owe you the money. I can't pay you right now. I'll make it up as quickly as I can. Can I pay you some? Can we work on an arrangement to where I've got some money, but this is all I can I can get to you. And then as soon as I'm back working full time and I got my cash flow, I'll, I'll pay it and I'll work to, to catch up. And, you know, sometimes that can happen. But but a situation like we have with this one property here this past week, $12,000 in arrears already. Um, they um, There's no end in sight. Um, they can't be given notice for another month. And then they could be two more months after that. So that's, well, and that's, and that's if they don't extend place, it. But they don't want those tenants in there. I mean, you, you can see that. You can't sell these places either with that type of a situation going on. Well, you don't have to go very far online to see that there's a lot of people clamoring for that to be extended, you know. So oh, yeah, that's the other likelihood that they it, extended this moratorium. Yeah. Now, here, here's a, here's an interesting related article related to that. So, Airbnb um, went public in December, and the company's value at that time was over a hundred billion dollars after the first day of trading. <laughs> that's amazing. They just announced their first um, earnings report, and guess what it is? A $4.6 billion loss in their very first earnings report. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And again, you know, everybody jumped in and bought Airbnb that first day because you can't, you can't go to over $100 billion in valuation. I mean, that's just, that's nuts. So... Wow. Anyway, but so I mean, even 
that's got to hurt. You know, their their business model is totally different and and totally like in suspension in a lot of places. But um, kind of the same thing. Um, hard to make a buck in rental with uh, the the pandemic and the and the rules that go along with it. And, and, you know, I haven't talked to many of the property management companies locally, but, boy, what do you think they're doing? Because they work on rental percentages as well. Yeah. And they some of these companies manage several hundred units, you know. Right. And if if the rent isn't getting paid for this, uh, for that, I mean, that's not a good situation. So, so it would be interesting to talk to a property management company that, that rents out these multiple units like that to yeah. see – what their uh, situation is. You know, and I bet you, um, without thinking about that too deep, I, I bet you they have, uh, there's some pretty good responses on how to handle this and how to how to deal with the tenants to encourage them to pay rent or pay partial rent, you know, um, because, yeah, if they don't collect nothing, they, they're basically not going to be making much money themselves. So that would be a great one. All right, Gary, moving on. Jim, um, one of the other things that we've talked about recently and seems to always be coming back to us is people buying properties, what we call sight unseen. Exactly. And we've seen it happen in the last year or so. Um, You're starting to hear some stories now about this, and some of them aren't so good. Right. Yeah, we talked about one um, a while back, but uh, yeah. And I know we had the roundtable meeting, and that was one of the topics we talked about last week. But I think there's been even more stories being posted this past week about this. And I think this is just something we've got to keep an eye on and, and how important it is that if we're going to do this and send videos to people about these properties when they're not here, um, you, you really have to touch on, on the, the emotional part of it, too, is like, what does the house smell like? You know, those types of things, you know, uh, show the surrounding properties, the tra- traffic, if it's by a busy street. I think that those are very important things. Uh, and so, uh, but I think you're seeing more and more of this now where people moving into the area that aren't here, want to buy a house, uh, and are relying on videos and then relying on agents to uh, uh, make that assessment and help them, you know, buy these properties. So hopefully we don't run into any of these, these negative stories up here in the Twin Parts. I'm not aware of any of them like that, but you're cer- certainly starting to hear more of them. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you Google that, there are, um, you know, if you, you know, I bought my house site unseen and it was a nightmare. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that, that come up, a lot of different stories. And, you know, I think it's, it's, that is just really hard for me to understand as a realtor how you could sort of, um, you know, lead them wrong or whatever. But I think there's also other things that, um, the videos, the videos are there, and they and they do show you, you know, the basic look of the house. But there are also some things that might be wrong with a house that you know your realtor probably isn't going to know. So that's why you got to still do the home inspection. And and maybe I mean, a lot of times I know that people are saying, well, um, I'll buy it sight unseen, and um, you know, I'll be on a plane within three days to come and look at it. I, I think that's a I think that's a much better idea because. Geez, it is a house, right, Gare? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I get it. It's uh, everybody wants it so bad, a house, you know, because the market is so tight and everything is is flying off the shelves. But yeah, there's got to be something, some disclosures or something that should have been made on some of these. But you got to be careful. 
Well, it's that type of market, so we'll continue to keep an eye on it and see what happens. But uh, locally here, Jim, we're not having the, the types of, of problems that we do read about, that I'm aware of anyways. And uh, I think uh, uh, if, if that does happen, well, you know what happens. But Yeah. All right. That's perfect. We're, we just arrived at our break time. Folks, you're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be back here for our last little wrap-up. Stay there. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ronning and Gary Callagher here from REMAX Results. Folks, if you want to get a hold of me about your real estate needs, please give me a call at 218-348-7653. And Mr. Callagher, please give out your digits. 218-390-0615. Oh, there we go. All right, so um, lots of interesting things in real estate going on right now that we can recap. Um, first and foremost, interest rates have taken a pretty decent jump, um, as we discussed in the uh, in the first segment of the show. And some of those jumps have been like a percentage over a month's time. You know, for FHA, I think it was was it more than a percent in a month? About one and a half percent. One and a half, and then V in the VA was about a one percent increase. That that was over one as well. Yeah. You know, and and so, yeah, it's big. It's, Big time things to keep an eye on at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then uh, we also t- touched on, um, geez, the rental market. That's so tough for you know landlords and, and tenants alike. If if the money's not coming in, if you don't have enough money to pay your rent, it's it's not only bad for you, it's bad for your landlord. Uh, it's hard for that kind of a small business to keep afloat when the income level just stops to nothing. Um, so. All right, Gary, we want to talk about some statistics as well. I've got some stats, but Jim, I also want to remind everybody that we have a podcast. And if you want to listen to us later on in the week, our podcasts are usually posted the week after the show that we air. And uh, you can find that at the KDAL610.com website and uh, look for the um, Twin Ports Real Estate Show. And you can listen to us whenever you want. There you go. And I would I would recommend listening to last week's show when we had a roundtable of agents talking about current issues and um, and how the uh, real estate business uh, is going right now and how busy it is in the Northland. Yeah, Jim, we got some stats going. And this is uh, for for the uh, Duluth side of the bridge here. This is our whole MLS market. We currently have 100 and act, 111 active listings. And... Um, so far this year, we've sold 168 properties, and we have 130 that are under contract or pending. And uh, when you break down some of the, the sold uh, uh, data for, for the area, you know, we're looking at uh, Duluth has sold 113 homes so far this year, average sale price of $253,000. Cloquet has sold 18 homes so far this year, uh, with an average sale price of 167. Hermantown has sold eight houses with an average sale price of 303000 Two Harbors has sold six houses with an average sale price of one eighty-eight. dollars uh, Esco has five houses sold so far this year at 286000 average sale price. And Proctor sold four houses so far this year with an average sale price of one ninety-six. dollars So active market, Jim, a lot of pendings coming on, but land is still hot. Single-family residents... In that you know 150 to 375 range, very hot market. Um, so if you have questions or have a house to list, you can give Jim or I a call. You can reach me at 
218-390-0615. Yeah, and I would just throw in there, you know, it's it's interesting right now, active homes on the market for sale. In the city of Superior proper, there are seven, Gary. Seven? Yes, and in Duluth, uh, and this is just no prices, um, 38 you know, but that doesn't include any of our suburbs or anything like that. But that's amazingly low numbers. I mean, yeah. So it's no wonder that a lot of people are having a hard time finding a house. So, yeah, if you wanted to talk to me, you can call me 218-348-7653. Now's a great time to sell. Um, and hopefully the interest rates will stay in check. But we'll keep you informed next week. Right, Gary? Sounds good. All right, folks. Thanks for listening and listening to us on the Twin Ports Real Estate Show right here on KDL 610 AM. Have a great week.